Alright, everything everywhere all at once. I'm sitting on the floor <laughs> in a pile of blankets. <laughs> Who's starting us off? So did you guys enjoy the movie, though? I loved the movie. And Matt is literally wearing a t-shirt from the movie's merch store right now. Classic. It's a shame that this isn't being filmed. <laughs> I wore it on purpose. I was like, what am I going to wear? And then I opened up my drawer and it's just googly eyes staring me in the face. It's like, training like a plus 20 uh, charisma on the mic right now. Alright, so I love the movie. What you guys? What was your impression? Dennis? Uh, I'll say when we saw it in theaters, I literally fell asleep during part of it, so I was like not that stoked on it initially. Um, I knew it was definitely going to like go down in history as like one of the most creative of all time, and uh, obviously like just as a spectator, it was incredible to watch. Um, just from all the action, the kung fu, uh, the message, the themes, but after watching it the second time, um, it blew me out of the water and I definitely, it's like, okay, I feel like this is definitely going to go down in history as one of the best films ever made, like the next like 12 angry men or the next like Godfather, like renowned, if it gets that kind of like audience reach. Yeah, I agree with that. Holy shit. Also, just to preface, I've seen the movie twice, Dennis seen the movie twice, Zach's seen it once, right? Correct. I've seen it three times now. Oh You've yeah. seen it three, oh yeah, true. So you just well, watched it. Yeah, that's true, Dan. All Wait, right. so before like before I even say anything, since I'm once, you're twice, you're three, uh, did your third time viewing change anything from the second? Um, I'd say yeah, but just small shit. Like the uh third time I was m- more focused on like nitty gritty details, like tiny little like gaffes or like uh like logic errors and just in my mind. Um and like little cool like little hints or Easter eggs that I didn't catch the other two times, so they probably net zeroed. Mm, okay, that's fair. I have some thoughts about this about first versus second viewing, but I'll let you say your initial thoughts before I. Say anything. Um. Yeah, I enjoyed the movie a lot. Um, after the initial viewing, it's like immediately afterwards. It was just like that blown away moment, like you get with a lot of movies that are like that powerful with, like it's emotional thematic messages um but then after sitting on it for a little bit like i don't know it just it didn't my opinion didn't change after like uh the time frame of like a few days to like now like in a week's time but it's just like after like a day or two like i just sat about sat down with it thought about it and um i think it's a good solid movie like i don't think it's anything crazy like i don't think it's like one of the best movies of all time or honestly anywhere close to that but I appreciate for what it is. I definitely agree with all the praise it gets. It's very deserving of that. Um, and I like the movie. I wouldn't say I totally overwhelmingly love the movie. That's basically right, where so I stand. So if you're going <laughs> to... Do I debate this? So if you're, so let me question you on this. If, you're, if you say that it wasn't one of the greatest movies, or like wasn't the greatest movie of all time, but at the same time, you agree with the praise that it's getting... I think it's widely being regarded as like, and correct me if you guys have a different impression, but I feel like it's being regarded as one, like potential for one of the best movies, at least like in recent memory. So I feel like that's contradictory. Um, not, I mean, I get what you're saying. Um, it's not contradictory in the sense that from my standpoint, from a subjective point of view, I, like when I say that, like I, it's worthy of the praise, like I get why people 
are obsessed with it. I get why people would think that it's one of the best movies like in a long time. Um, that's, I don't think it's like that far off from that, but just my own point of view, like my own subjective opinion. Uh, it just didn't, it didn't hit me in like the enjoyment factor. It's like, you can look at a movie from like any point of view of like its structure or, um, like, you know, just like looking at a movie through either your own subjective lens and a critical lens, like any movie, like obviously when I'm watching Halloween, my favorite series, that's like such like a hardcore, like bonerific fanboy sense. So it could be shit and I'm still going to have a huge enjoyment level. That's way more than somebody else. Whereas with this movie, I'm completely like looking at it critically and from my own entertainment point of view and for the entertainment point of view, that falls way short. Um, I think compared to you guys and maybe a lot of people in the general audience, but I do see from like that critical lens, how well made it is, how creative it is. Um, and like basically for its message and what it wanted to do, like it really couldn't have done that much better. So is it fair to say that it's just versus, is it fair to say that, uh, instead of saying it's not one of the greatest movies of all time. It's not one of your favorite movies of all time. Is that more accurate or no? Uh, no. No, because I do, there are some, we'll get into some fundamental flaws in the movie. They're not huge things. Some nitpicks, but some more than nitpicks that I would definitely like, would argue against it being like one of the best movies of all time. All right. Um, I guess I'll do, like, say my, like, initial impressions because I just said that I loved it at the beginning. Um, and then maybe we can do ratings and then get into the more the meat of it. But I said, um, you know, it was a very powerful film. Um, I think it was, like, as modern of a take you could get on the subject matter of, like, love and acceptance and the family dynamic. Um, and I think one of the things that stood out most to me was that it does almost everything extremely well. And I don't know of a movie that does as many things as well as this one did. Um, so I think that kind of blew it up for me. And this one lands probably my top three of all time. But let's go into um, some of the, the likes and dislikes. Well, you want to do your what's, – what's your score yep. before the conversation? Oh, yeah, score. All right, so are we going to do out of 100 or out of – five stars or how do you want to do it we could do it out of like 10 four or like some stupid number like seven are we gonna brand this is gonna be our brand i'm down i'm down for 10 four movies, <laughs> seven. we can change this to a later date right. when we get All creative right. um, but no out of 10 right now out of 10 i would say it's got like a 9.7 for me yeah i'll say i'll i don't want to go into decimal so i'll say nine hot dog fingers out of 10 <laughs> I'm a big decimal guy. I'll say 8.7. Oh, Ooh, that's higher than I thought you'd say. If, if if you had these gripes with it and these fundamental flaws, I'm excited to hear your side of the story. <laughs> no, it's still an amazing movie. So is your is your rating on it uh, objective versus like, you know, you said like subjectively, it's not like your goat or like not one of your top movies of all time. Is your rating of it objective or subjective? No, my rating will always be taking everything into account. My own entertainment level or value out of it also how i just think how good the movie is regardless of if i actually thoroughly enjoyed it entertainment wise or not so like a combo of your subjective experience and the objective making and you know production or am i missing the mark no i mean that's basically it i mean like when i rate movies i just like look at it like 
Like I compare it to like a Rotten Tomato score in a way because it's like, like some things like I understand why they get high scores. And like I said, like if I don't really enjoy it as much, um, like I still respect the score. And so like I could go two completely different ways. Like that's why I don't like splitting that up because it's just not fair. It's not fair. It's just like Interstellar has a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I think that's just like ridiculous because I don't think that takes into account like how good the movie is versus people not like getting it or enjoying it. Just like if I didn't get this movie, I'm still like smart enough to be like, well, it's a really fucking well-made movie. So that'll always uh, be taken into account with the score. Yeah. What about you, Dennis? Subjective, objective, combination of both. Uh, I think all my scores have to be subjective because I don't, I don't know anything about like making movies or like production or writing or anything or like acting even for that matter. I mean, I can say like this was shit acting or this was good acting, but I, can't really assign like a uh i don't know i get no it's all just gonna be subjective for me fair all right who's gonna kick us off who's gonna rail the movie first <laughs> um I'll, I'll go ahead and start with this is like initial thoughts right yeah, you, of, well, you we had, already did that but it's more of like you had the most hot take of the room so let's give it let's i want to hear about like what you thought was uh like poor about it or okay we're, we're at lost points yeah. nothing was poor um uh, let me get a so actually I mean it's just easier for me to start off with like what I loved more because like that outweighs the negatives um like obviously the movie is so like emotionally powerful and the different themes in it like Matt said it best like it's like the perfect modern take on like all those things like love, family, kindness, like and that and those things, it cannot get better. Like you, I don't think you can make a better modern day film. Um, if that's like your, like your guns, like if what you're holding on to is like that, and that's like the meat of the bones of the movie, it, it knocked it out of the park. So like examples of that, that like I totally was just like mind blown and loved so much was um, like the thematic elements of bad joy when, um like evil joy i guess like I'll, ref- I'll refer to her as that um like her whole thing was that like her whole gripe basically it was like becoming what she became is like nothing really matters there's all these fucking billion different universes and like so many different things can go a different way so it's like why does anything matter like we're so small like we're just grains of sands we're rocks like no, like literally nothing matters like why care and then like what hit home so hard to me was the opposite side of that Evelyn being like literally just like the small things. Um, and, and, uh, Wayman, how do you say his name? Wayman, like Raymond with a W Wayman and Wayman saying that too. It's like the small things. It's like just being kind to somebody or you're just showing somebody like the positive side of things or just lending a hand or just like being in love with somebody, even though you're going through roughs and or ups and downs. Like those are the reasons that you live and like that's just like really powerful to me because so small things are like can let you out of depression or in the case of this movie like just like make you realize like hey like there is actually something to live for so like that like was really powerful to me um and that just like kind of like carried the movie even with like some of the flaws um so i i guess in terms of flaws the biggest thing for me is i just thought the movie was just bloated um especially the first half of the movie it just it took a while to get going i wasn't um like entertained as much as I feel like the movie could have like it could have done more for me in terms of 
being entertaining and like getting up to those points because like the first half of the movie honestly was like okay like it's not really doing much for me like i get it and then about three-fourths of the movie when some of those emotional and thematic themes were actually paying off on screen that's when the light bulb clicked and i was like oh shit this is amazing like this was mind-blowing but if i'm looking at it just like from a general movie standpoint it's like this isn't a movie i ever really want to watch again like i don't think i'll ever watch it again because like I, I i got its message i got its point i loved it it was great but I, it just like the ride itself wasn't that enjoyable and what i mean by that is and in terms of trimming the time too it's just like some of the fight scenes in the first half is for me just dragged on just went on way too long um and you know i just wasn't like fully engaged um and then also like the idea that the movie is just like so original like i think it's kind of bs like it's and it's it's original in its take on like matza like the modern day values of all those different things we've been over but it's it literally ripped off the matrix for a whole third of the movie like literally some scenes literally taking shot for shot and like that just took me out of the movie i'm like they could have done this a different totally different way um and like i kind of like appreciate some that some of that stuff sometimes in movies where you can like take things like little things here and there from other movies but like some of this was like a borderline ripoff in my opinion um like specifics like when um evelyn is like learning like power so she's using the her alternative selves from the other universes and like learning those abilities to be able to combat like whoever she was fighting like uh throughout the movie like that was literally straight ripoff of like a whole section of the matrix where they're uh in the matrix they're learning the programs literally learning kung fu like that like this scene was literally taken directly from uh the matrix um when she was learning Kung Fu in the movie and then all the other stuff she was learning, it was just like, Oh, she's literally just learning programs. At one point we were watching a movie. I looked at Dennis and it was like, that's literally the matrix. Um, so like that just like took me out of the movie. Um, but then on the opposite side of that, a good thing I liked about it was in terms of the multiverse, like there's, you know, a billion different takes on the multiverse nowadays. Like it's crazy. Um, and I appreciated that they didn't like rip off like too much from like Rick and Morty or, like stuff like that because they totally could have but that's where it was like truly original like i just i love their take on the multiverse i thought it was perfect um i just wish they didn't take so much from the matrix but again that's not something that totally brings down the movie for me it was just it just took me out of it um but i guess to finish off this point we can move on to somebody else um my biggest gripe is just the runtime it has felt way too long the second half felt perfect but just the pace of the first half of the movie just wasn't it for me um wasn't really that entertained and enjoyed that the fight scenes dragged on too long um and, I'm, and i think if they could have just cut like 15 to 20 minutes off of the movie um in certain areas where it's not like thematic or dialogue heavy and maybe to some of those action sequences maybe just trim those down or even have like different set pieces to help trim those down i think i definitely would enjoy um the structure and pacing of the movie a lot more i'm down to throw hands at him for his take first if you if i can have the floor go for it lots to unpack there yeah okay so when you said like you felt it drew a little bit too much or it wasn't as original. Uh, and then you made the point about the matrix. I thought you were going to go a different direction with it. I thought you were going to say things like, Oh, like these shots of like Deidre jumping off the stairs looking exactly like, um, I want to look like a head ass here. What's, what's the female lead in the matrix name? Trinity. Trinity. Yeah. Like, like Trinity's kick or whatever. Like, yeah, that kind of stuff. It's obviously like inspiration driven. Um, and I agree like, you know, downloading skills from other universes and stuff are like, 
the downloading skills to like improve your current self's ability to like fight and everything like that. That's definitely not like an original concept. We've seen that all over the place, but the way they did it with like, uh, like, like you said, the multiverse concept genius. Love that so much. Could not have, uh, enjoyed more how they like painted that across like, um, alpha Wayman's origin story and everything like that. I thought that was sick. Um, the actual, Oh, like the originality of like how you get to those skills, um, is not as simple as, you know, plugging in the, the disc, hitting download. And like, you let know those skills you have to first, how does the movie do it? It's like, you have to alter your current path in such a strange way that it like kind of links your consciousness to an adjacent universe. And then it uses that to like slingshot you to like another side of the universe's map to a part of yourself where you were like that sushi chef or you were that like pro wrestler or something like, I don't know. I got a little turned on by the concept of like slingshotting your conscious to another universe by like tapping into it, uh, to, to one nearby first. I thought that was sick. Um, and I, I guess the combat or like the, uh, the fighting, I didn't really see too much. I mean, obviously like all Kung Fu stuff is going to be uh, similar in like different Kung Fu movies. But um, I guess the originality in my mind comes from the aspect of like, it does all these things so well. Um, and there's like no aspect of it. That's like kind of half-assed like uh, story themes, um, action, all that other kind of stuff, like done to perfection in my opinion. And I guess just to end it off, like with your point about how, you know, like fight scene dragged on too long. Intro was maybe a little bit too uh, drawn out. I thought the opposite because I guess maybe this is my personal taste, the like Kung Fu and like the fighting in action right up my alley. I love like action movies so much. I love fight scenes so much, especially when they're done that well. Um, and I felt like, I probably got this from like the second or third rewatch, but the drawn out like intro and everything was doing so much to set up um, Evelyn's character, like her, her personality, the situation she's in. And it really like paints the picture for all the other characters too, like Joy, uh, Waymond, um, Deidre even. Uh, I don't know. I felt like the movie didn't last nearly as long on the second or third rewatch for me. Interesting. Can I respond to that first before you go? Yeah, go for it. Um, oh, yeah, I want to be clear. Like setting up the character development, that's, I'm not referring to that as much. Like that, that's fine. Like they had to, like they had to set that up, and I thought they set it up really well. Um, but when it when it comes like the fight scenes themselves, like I like kung fu. So, like the Matrix fight scenes is like my favorite ever, probably. Like if I, I didn't really thought about that specifically, but just off the top of my head, like I don't think it gets better than. Uh, the Matrix trilogy with, you know, the choreographed fight scenes. And like the only one that stood out to me in the movie though was um Wayman when he was fighting with like the belt thing. Like that was sick. like every like that had to take like fucking out like Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan versus Anakin, like they they've planned that fight scene forever. Like it reminded me of that. Like everything had to be perfect. Like they literally couldn't have done that better. But like that was it to me. Like everything after that, like when um Jamie Lee Curtis is like chasing them and it's like from that point and then like going into the point where um evelyn's dad his alternate self is like trying to get her to kill joy like and then that led to its fight scene and then the fight scene leading out after when they're in the like the sex chamber 
and like they come out of that, and that's what you learn to programming. It's just like that whole segment is what I felt like dragged on too long because the stuff that I did enjoy was the character development, like was being with those characters, like the dialogues that I had. And so I feel like, I guess if I had to say like, oh, critique and a way to improve for me would have been like more of like those choreographed badass fight scenes. If like you could have done that at all for like, cause for again, like the sickest thing ever. And like, I agree with you. And like, um, like it is an original take in itself about what they took from the matrix with like the programming. Like, yeah, like that's badass. Um, it did just take me out of the movie. I'm just thinking about the matrix while I'm watching this movie. But that scene though, when itself, like I kind of was just bored as fuck during that scene when like she learned everything and then it's fighting everybody. I'm like, we just went from the badass fight scene, like probably one of the best choreographed fight scenes I've probably seen in years to her. It just like, kind of like, like that was it. Like that was the peak in terms of the fighting. And then after that, I was like, eh. So I guess... And that's okay. where I fell asleep in the theaters. So I can't like mm-hmm. disagree with you too hard there. But on um, there was like so much I realized on the other watchings that I had that uh, between those fight scenes is where Wayman is giving a lot of his speech about like where he's from, like his other universe, the alpha, the alpha verse, I guess, um, who Joe Butapaki is, how she became to be and what Evelyn's life is like in the other universes, how the entire like plot or like story of the movie um, I guess how the conflict comes about, like he's explaining where the conflict's coming from. There's this villain in another universe that is literally unbeatable and we need somebody to be our, like our, our savior. And that's like where all that kind of stuff got explained in between there, which I agree on the first watching. Like I had, there was no way I was going to be able to comprehend all that with all the other cool shit they had going on. So I, I don't know. The second watching did way more than I would thought ever thought it would. So, I sit pretty firmly between both of you. Um, the so like my notes, I on the second viewing, I agree that I was like, damn, this like I was kind of getting scared. I'm like, damn, maybe this movie is as good as I thought it was the first time during the first act because I think it it does get a little bit slow, and I think like I don't know. I was trying to, I was like. Thinking back on it, I was thinking that there has to be a reason here, like trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think there's a lot. I think Dennis pointed out something that I hadn't thought about is that there is so much from a technical perspective that's like going on in the movie that needs explaining to the viewer. But if you unload all of that at one time, they're not going to pick any of it up. So it's almost like you need to have explain this portion, talk human speak, and like talk about love or you know things that aren't like here how do you say you jump between this alpha verse and the current universe and all that stuff and then have some fight scenes and then unpack a little bit more um so i think some of it's warranted maybe some of it's not but i think also it does probably link back to your personal preference on movies like dennis values more action or you like love those scenes where maybe zach and i could have gone with like a little bit less but I think even with that like with that perspective, that's the only part of the movie that I had a critique about mm-hmm. out of the whole thing, which is like that first act. Um, so it's interesting to see, hear that like some people enjoyed that. Maybe that played a bigger part for other people than it did for me um, mm-hmm. or swung people the other way in a positive direction than for, for me and Zach did in a negative direction. So interesting take, but I'm not sure where I sit on it afterwards. <laughs> I think maybe it's, it's, I think Dennis maybe lightened the blow a little bit. Um, 
on the impact on the movie as a whole for me, but um, yeah, I do think there's a little bit of slight room for improvement in there, but I, I don't know personally what I would have done to speed it up without feeling uncomfortable or rushed. Well, yeah, I would like say to that, like both of you, like, like the whole point about how it's like, oh, like those scenes though that I may not have enjoyed, like they needed to be there. They needed to happen, like to explain things. And like my review to that is just write a better script or cut your movie together better. Like there's a billion different ways like to solve that. Like if that's like, you know, not that like the director needs to appease exactly like my own, like what I want, but I'm just like, there's definitely a solution and answer to that other than, oh, we just had to explain that. So like, I don't, I wouldn't give that as like an excuse or like a way out of saying like they didn't have a choice or like, cause you could just write the script differently. Things could play out differently, have different set pieces, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of ways that you can work around that problem. So it's like, from my own personal point of view, it's not like they just had to like have that. And like, I just have to get over the fact that I didn't enjoy some of it. And like, cause like those things had to be explained in that way. It's like, they could have been explained in a different way. Things could have played out differently but while still hitting those big plot points and explaining things to the audience they need to explain. Do you think that portion of the movie potentially dragging on longer than you'd like it to and the Matrix inspiration pieces warrant a, what'd you say, 8.7, a 1.3 cut off the top for everything else? Um... The Matrix thing, not as much. Like, again, the Matrix thing is, like, kind of just, like, me rambling, I guess. Like, on a small nitpick that just, like, was bothering me during my first viewing. Um, first and only viewing. But, no, like, my lack of enjoyment, like, for that big segment of the movie, like, the thick segment, kind of, like, from the, going from the first, second act. Like, I think that, to- for me, totally warrants, like, a big takedown. Because, again, like, the second half of the movie is so good. And, like, those payoffs and, like the payoffs of the emotional and like thematic elements, like I was going to wait to get into it, but I mean, might as well now, like my like favorite scene of the movie is something I really haven't even like forgot about. And like, I'm still thinking about it and I'm still like emotionally hurt by it or not hurt, but um, affected by it. And like, it's such a positive way is that when um, movie, movie act or movie superstar, whatever, Evelyn, when she's with Wayman and like they're talking and it's like towards the end and it's like, He's basically saying, like, like I know, like, because she was telling him how in her universe, like, she, like, they got together, they moved to America, and they just, like, failed. And, like, he wanted to divorce her, and it didn't work out. And she was like, why would I ever want to live that again? And then he was like, he was like, I don't care. Like, even failing with you and, like, going through all that stuff, I would still pick that over any of these, like, amazing alternatives. And it's like, that just, like, hit me so hard. And, like, I cried like a baby during that part. And it's like that, and then mixed with like what I said earlier about joy and like overcoming, you know, her struggles to put it like in a very simplified statement. Um, Like that's all like top notch. Like I'll never forget that. Like that makes it. And that's where I can see how it's like such an amazing movie and one of the best when it comes to that specifically. But the problem is that section in the first act and second act, like more so in the second act that like, just like just did not resonate with me. Like, it makes me not want to watch a movie again. Like, if they did that first act differently and, like, it was more enjoyable for me, then, like, it could be a movie that, like, I want to rewatch. And I guess rewatch factor also plays a little bit into my mind and, and to, into a rating. Um, 
because yeah i mean I, if the movie just knocked that first half out of the park and like i'm just like thoroughly engaged throughout and um, I, then there's no reason like it wouldn't be at least a 9.5 i'd say i think you should rewatch the movie because at the end of the movie that scene you're talking about where Evel, or movie star evelyn's explaining to rich waymond about or you know Wayman has that line about like in another life I'd still love just doing laundry and taxes with you mm. so the greatest uh, one of the greatest scenes yeah. yeah that's so so good yeah that was that was great he, Evelyn doesn't explain to him like all the universe shit that would have tripped him the fuck out probably he, uh, Evelyn's just saying the reason we didn't hook up the reason I didn't go with you is because my life would have been so shit um but that's just that's just that part of the scene um on the other aspects, like, I don't know if you don't want to go, Matt, do you have anything? I don't know. I mean, I always, my, my crutch always that I fall back on with movies is like, did it do its job? And not only did this movie do its job, it did it near perfectly with perhaps what some might view as a like a minuscule struggle to gain its footing at the beginning with some viewers. But I mean, like you're, you're reaching for straws. I feel like trying to close the gap between what we got and what the ideal version of it would look like for you specifically. Um, one that I would argue does not, you know, obviously this is your rating subjective, so this doesn't really mean much, but I would argue that, you can't take a point in a third or, you know, 1.3 off the top for the things that you've said alone objectively. So, you know, if you like, we basically had the same gripes with the movie and I rated it, you know, a point over a point higher or a point higher. And I think, I don't know, like I think rewatchability is another thing I think about too. And that's, like you said, to some degree should be factored in. But on the other hand, it's like when you learn a lesson or you're taught a lesson, it doesn't matter how like how easy it is or effective it is to revisit that same lesson and learn that lesson again because you've already learned it. The story's already been told. And I think this is one of those movies that it's not, while it's packed with action, it's not there to be rewatched time and time again. It's there to give you perspective. Um, and I would argue that it's probably only best watched once or twice. Um, because then I think you start picking it apart for reasons that it doesn't even exist in the first place, I guess maybe a good way to put it. No, I completely agree with that. I immediately take back that part about rewatchability. Cause like, you're right. I didn't think about that. So movies just like, one, it's not the point, but two, it's like, you're right. Like you learn the lesson, like it's so powerful. And it's like, it's like your first hit of a drug. It's like, you're never going to get that same first hit that you got that first time. And so, yeah, I agree with that. But my refute to what you were saying about, um, shit. Score. I forget already. Like your main point about how, like the first thing you were saying just now about how, I like take so much off the. You take so much off the score for the fact that it maybe struggled to stand up a little bit in the first half to some viewers, and I had the same gripe about it. But you know, maybe that's you said something else. That's not a point worth arguing. You had like a really good point that I wanted to battle. Um, 
too good. You forgot. Literally. I wanted to say I wanted to take that back, but you, you like went on about it for like a while. It was, it was like in relation to um, like me taking off the score, but there was like the reason that I did that. I don't know. But I can say if we're going to pivot here, is that cool? It's not like Do total it. pivot. Um, I feel like it wasted no time. And maybe that goes back to just like my, you know, of course my personal preference, but like, I felt like no fight scene went on too long, but that's just because the action was so good. Choreography was so good. Um, I was never bored, like watching them throw punches because they always had other shit going on. Like they were all interacting with the fucking office they were in the entire time using like office props in creative ways. Um, I don't know how much other like strictly Kung Fu movies you guys have seen. Not many, if any. Yeah, like none. Probably none. There's like this one action movie I'm going to call to called The Raid, which is, uh, I guess it's in Korean or something like that. Uh, my white privilege is showing, but. Yeah, someone um, check that. All it is <laughs> is um, at a base level, there's a evil landlord living in like a kind of a high rise apartment building in like the slums of Korea or wherever it's set. And there's a cop and it's like a SWAT team, probably like 40 SWAT teams going and trying to take this guy down. But the evil landlord has such like a high grasp in like the social hierarchy that everybody living in the building is there to protect him. And so the entire movie is just like this SWAT team and his like uh, teammates, assailants or whatever, if that's the right word, just fighting endless waves of uh, like gang members in this building. And it just goes on so long. It's really just stroking itself off with like the level of like high quality choreography and uh, a combat. And this movie does that better. Cause you know, you're not getting an entire movie of just combat. You've got so much other beautiful stuff thrown in along the way, but it's just so good. Like the fanny pack, all the moves he does like brilliant. <laughs> Never sick. would have thought like if you would have told probably like a, a room of like 10 of the best directors ever made, Let's make like the coolest like fanny pack fight scene you've ever heard of. I feel like they probably couldn't have made this happen. Or halfway through the fight, he reaches behind a cubicle and grabs rocks from the inside of a fish oh, tank dude. to load his fanny pack. <laughs> like in <laughs> brilliant. And like I noticed this as well. He was like, "What was so cool is that in the uh, verse jumping, he he's able to completely switch off regular Wayman, like the actor. Short round, he switches off uh, normal Wayman." And turns into beast mode Alpha Waymond, who's like expert for uh, verse jumper. And when he downloads the Kung Fu skills, like he then switches character again into expert Kung Fu fighting Waymond. Like his facial expressions, his mannerisms, the way he like never takes his eyes off of the uh, the security guards and everything. So sick. Hmm. And like the fight scenes also were not, I feel like, overloaded because you get a lot of like room to let them breathe. Like I noticed. Um, there was the, the rock grab to like load up the fanny pack again. There was uh, a couple scenes or like a couple moments where um, he would like knock somebody down and like look around and like plan his next move, like wind the fanny pack up around his wrist again or something. I don't know. It wasn't just nonstop, like cut, 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 cut to different shots of him, like beating people up. That's fair. So were I'm you so stoked on it still? Were you ready for that portion of the movie to end when it did? Were you didn't think about it at all because it was perfect or were you hoping for more wishing for more when it didn't 
I think it captured like the, like the best, um, it gave me the best consumer experience because I didn't know when I wanted it to stop. Like I didn't know I was like, okay, now I'm ready for the next thing. And I was also like, I don't know. It gave me exactly what I wanted, even though I didn't know I wanted it. When you so, wanted, yeah, right, yeah, true. <laughs> when, you, yeah, true. And like, last thing I'll say about the uh, the fanny pack scene. That's the first time we see somebody like verse jump and like attain a skill like that. So, like, whenever he uh, he does this like long wind up, there's all that tension of the uh, security guard going, "Sir, please comply. Like, get on the ground and everything." And he's just unrolling his chapstick slowly, chewing it up. And you see Evelyn who still has her shoes on the wrong feet, by the way, I notice at this point, like a whole 10 minutes afterwards. Um, she's like, wait, man, what are you doing? Get down. And he's like, he's like, I got this. And he like looks at her and like winks. Cause like, I don't know, that was kind of also a callback to like, I know you think your husband's like a pansy, but I'm, mm, I'm here yes. to like save you. Uh, that was really cool. And then all of a sudden he like hits the button. It goes, it makes the Iron Man sound power up effect. And then he like, <laughs> Music drops, it goes, oh, he like pulls his fanny pack across and like the widescreen bars like come down. Oh, yeah, dude, mm-hmm. they did that a few times in the movie and I thought that yeah. was cool. I didn't notice it the first That was list. like, it. all that culminated gave me chills like the second it hit because it, it was like literally like, like when you trigger a cutscene in a video game after beating a boss finally and it's <laughs> like, holy shit, finally like this is going to happen. I don't know. I'm getting a little worked up here. You're getting a little horny over there. <laughs> it's a legendary film and that's honestly all there is to it we're we're spending all this time and there's nothing wrong with spending time talking about this stuff but we are hyper focused on this one portion of the movie and nitpicking the fuck out of it when like there are mind-blowing parts of this movie all over you got amazing scenes like the rock scene the scene with um movie star evelyn and uh wayman who just wants to um do taxes and laundry and you have like this insane production um, value with these fight scenes that are cutting between um, thinking specifically the, the Joe Butabaki and Evelyn fight scene. Um, I think towards the end of uh, everywhere part two where they're like moving between all these different versions of themselves and um, their pinatas at one point, like who comes up with this stuff and they spent so much time not only being creative, but executing on the creativity extremely well to the point where, like, unless you're sitting there analyzing frame by frame, you would probably have no suggestions on how to make it better. So that's like, that's just the overwhelming vibe I got from this movie is that, like, what else do you want? Like, nothing can be perfect. So, and this is, in my mind, like, pretty damn close. Well, that just reminded me, um, like going out where you were saying to me earlier, and it kind of goes along to that point, so glad to bring it back up. But you said, like, you're, a big thing you do in judging movies is, like, did it set out to accomplish, like, what it set out to? And for me personally, like, I don't agree with that some or maybe half the time. I think in some cases, yeah, that's true. But if, like, that was um, universally true, then it's, like, probably 50% of the movies ever made would be have a run 100% like rating. Like this movie definitely like, and if you want to look at it from that perspective, then yeah, this movie's a hundred percent like 10 out of 10. Cause it definitely certainly set out what it was meant to do, but you go like 
to say that about a lot of movies like especially different genres like comedies or like horror movies it's like yeah like it's out to what it's supposed to do but your personal opinion could still like bring it down that's why it's not like i'm giving it a shitting rating i'm giving it 8.7 i think 8.7 might creep away by the just conversation to 8.95 if someone doesn't if he doesn't give us a nine then let's <laughs> open it up. i'm getting close to the nine um definitely would not go higher than a nine but approaching the nine because i mean maybe that gap is a little bit too wide um but like i'm still giving it a high score because because of all those reasons that you said but i did just want to mention though that like even with it accomplishing what it set out to do that doesn't just automatically give any movie not just this one but any movie the right to be a 10 out of 10 like and i guess that's where we have different opinions it's like again this is an amazing movie and yeah you know, we like spent too much time like you guys were like white blood cells stacking bacteria about my negatives because you guys have (laughs) such a hard on for it but at the same time i still loved it so um but yeah i mean yeah we should have spent more time talking about like the rock scene is like my jaw was dropped that entire time like i was like this is like perfect like that scene alone is just like a perfect movie but yeah yeah i mean to your point like i probably do I don't think I lean on that too hard, but I definitely think about like, did it accomplish what it set out to accomplish and how well did it do in its journey to accomplishing that? Um, it's definitely just like something I think about. Cause I think while I agree that a lot of movies do do that and do it well, a lot of movies also don't do that well. I think they swing and miss often. Um, so I think there's probably, I agree with you. There's probably like some middle ground, um, question i can phrase to ask myself versus you know did it set out to do what it or did it accomplish what it set out to do um but i do think it's kind of like it's like a it's like a big picture question i guess more than anything i'll give you this and this is kind of like a challenge to both of you it's like there's like a goal for like movies to be there's like or like i guess to encapsulate an audience like it has to be like relatable it has to be interesting it has to be entertaining and everything like that like there are so many movies where its sole goal is to be like relatable or like funny or, uh, you know, just blow you away. Like all the aspects of this one, this movie is like a romantic story between, you know, a busy wife and like a lost husband or like a, you know, a ditzy husband who's like losing touch with his wife or the, you know, the marriage is crumbling or whatever. It's a family drama because they've got like the whole story of like joy and like Evelyn, not really being accepting of her and everything like that. Um, this movie does everything so well, like to the highest degree, like this movie about like a Chinese immigrant living in like somewhat undesirable living conditions, like picturing her life in another uh, picturing all her other lives and all her past mistakes is so much more relatable to me, like a white dude with almost nothing physically in common with the main character. Like I related to her so much more than I could to like any white guy character that I feel like any other movie could dream up. Like I related to probably all these characters way harder than I have any other movie. I like any movie that was like trying to make me relate, like any romantic comedy I've seen never had this level of like, humor or like familial um connection i might be losing the plot here a little bit but like every time they made like a little joke or a little funny quip i thought it was hilarious every time 
um, you know, they had a fight scene blown away like that. They checked all the boxes, every little aspect they wanted it to have, like really resonated really hard. My last thing here is like, yeah, it's also like a sci-fi movie too. That's what I was really stoked on. And like the sci-fi portion of that with like verse jumping and like, you know, there's no time travel, which was cool. They kept it like somewhat <laughs> simple, but easy, easy enough to follow in my opinion after the rewatches. Yeah, I think it's, you brought up a good point there. First of all, like you said, it does. It's like, every, it's so many things. It's almost like it's everything everywhere all at once in like, <laughs> in its own like regard. Ba-boom. But no, I think it's also like you could put it in the lens of any type of movie, a sci-fi movie, an action movie, a family drama, a romantic comedy. Like literally you could put it through the lens and it would it would live up to like the you know, top tier movies in that film. And I don't know what other movies you can say that about. And like, I know I've said that at least twice in this thing, but it's like the point to hang your hat on, I think, as the directors of this movie is like, there's not much in, in terms of, you know, comparable movies that set out with such a big scope and succeeded in the way that they did. Yeah. Like take a, take a genre of movie besides maybe like the, the far, like these streams, like horror or like avant-garde and stuff like that. And like, Show me like a blockbuster that sets out to do something and does it better than this movie that also has six other genres that it's also doing better than the others. In my humble opinion, of course. I don't feel strongly, but... <laughs> Not at all. <sighs> all right. Anyone else have any pieces to note on there? I feel I, I kind of... Um want to pivot into like some of the elements of the filmmaking itself. Correct. Um, if you guys are cool with that. Yeah. I'm ready for that. Move away from like themes and stuff. Yeah. More so like, like the technical aspect, yeah, technical technical. aspects of the movie, cinematography, writing pace, et cetera. I'll give up like one more point if that's cool. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, so like on the first couple of watches, like I definitely thought like the main takeaway or like one of the main takeaways could be that like, you know, we are so small. We are, nothing, nothing matters. There could be like a real big nihilistic point to the movie, like as one of the message it was pushing. But then like on this last rewatch today, I got a different perspective because Jobu's whole thing is that, you know, nothing matters. I'm in pain. Like her whole, her whole arc is that she wants to die. She wants to stop experiencing all this pain and trauma and this feeling of nothing mattering. Cause you know, when everything is happening to you all at once, and every multiverse is running through your head at the same time. She really says, you know, you don't get to focus your attention on anything. You don't get to live in any moments. And that's ultimately the crux of like why she wants everything to end is because she's so miserable like that. And for a brief moment, Evelyn agrees with her. Like when she's standing about to get sucked in by the bagel, she's like, yeah, you're right. Nothing does matter. And she's because that's the point of the movie where Joe was finally like, yeah, now you're seeing it. You're like me, you're experiencing everything, nothing matters. All it is, is just like pain and misery. And then for the moment that Evelyn accepts that in the other movies, her whole, like every, there's that point where like everything shatters in all those like split frames, you know, her version of her, that's the opera singer just starts screaming and everybody in the crowd runs away. Um, in the Rakakuni universe, she exposes Rakakuni, um, in the, uh, the movie universe where she's the movie star. Um, she tries to kiss Wayman and like lead him on and like um, 
tell him, you know, nothing matters. We can still like be with each other now, even though it's not what Wayman wants in that universe. And even in the universe where the movie's actually happening, she stabs Wayman with a piece of glass, like in the side a little bit. And she just has that moment of like, you're right. Nothing matters. I'm evil. Um, Oh, and then even during this happening at the party, the Chinese new year party, that's when Deidre comes in and Evelyn picks up the baseball bat and breaks the window and like signs the divorce papers, shoves it at Wayman. It's like, Nothing matters. We're all just pretending to know what we're doing. But then uh, she flips the script after Wayman gives his speech about, you know, we all have to just be kind. We're all scared. We're all confused. I'm confused too. But we're all, we all just need to stop fighting and be kind to each other. And simultaneously, that's when uh, Rich Wayman in um, the universe where Evelyn's the movie star is telling her, like, I'm a fighter too, but I fight to survive, not to attack kind of thing, that kind of sentiment. And that's like kind of what like turns Evelyn around. You know, there's that great visual of like all the universe is flashing, the light twirling on her. She kind of turns from red to blue again. And then that's when we get the great scene of her fighting off all these people. But instead of like kicking their asses, you know, she's slamming two heads together and they kiss, they fall in love, they're married. Um, she takes that guy's grenade and turns it into a perfume bottle. And he, you know, has that, Oh, L'Oreal moment. And then, Oh, We're not sponsored, the great... by the way. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think at that point, what really like resonated was that if you do have, like you can't have that idea of nothing matters, but everything that came after that for Evelyn for that time was like a selfish and like, um, like cruel move to everybody else. And then once she has that realization, you know, she is good again and she doesn't let that go for the end until the end of the movie. Um, you know, she lets everything go, but she acts in a positive nature for the rest of it, I guess. So I guess like what I thought was at the end of that was the main message is not nothing matters. And that's not what they're going for. It's that you can have that opinion, but if you do, it's only going to affect everybody else negatively, including yourself. Hot damn. <laughs> yeah, that's so you called out something. I mean, totally agree with what you're saying. Um, she back to like the beginning portion of what you were saying, like Joe Boo is just experiencing everything. And I also thought it was interesting that even in in the Alpha universe, Evelyn did that to her by just pushing her, pushing her, pushing her to see how far she could get. Um in her ability to, you know, uh, jump universes or whatever, um, verse jump. Um, and she broke her just like she did in, you know, the real, uh, real universe. Um, but I didn't notice or didn't really take into account the piece where she flipped from, you know, hurting to, to healing or like helping people because yeah, she goes through each of those, um, people and like whatever their goal is she like helps them accomplish their goal in that in that moment um and she finally realizes that she shouldn't be focused on herself she should be focusing on helping other people accomplish what they want to accomplish not what she wants them to accomplish um and i think that's yeah it's just like it's so impactful and I mean, everyone can resonate in some degree, to some degree, whether it's in a familial aspect where, you know, someone in your family wants you to be a certain way or your friends want you to be a certain way or just your, the universe wants you to be a certain way. Um, 
just be who you are and the right people will come and support you. Um, and eventually Evelyn came around and did that and saved the relationship. But um, the stresses of wanting to be something that you're not. Um, and then, you know, reflecting that onto others is powerfully damaging. Um, I think everyone's looking to be something that they're not. Everyone, everyone spends time thinking about, well, what if I did this? And why don't, you know, why don't I have a cool job? I want to be an astronaut and all this stuff. Um, but they don't really take into account that sometimes the best version of you is the one that's doing taxes and laundry. All right. Thanks for stroking my, my thoughts there for a second. We, we'll move on to like a gripes or like technical side of things. Well, yeah. So you called out themes and I'm glad you did when you did um, so that we could touch on that. Zach, any thematic stuff you want to touch on or um, stroke any fellow members? <laughs> not that I haven't already. I mean, the movie is just fucking it's like coming out of the woodworks with like how many different like themes and like points you could take like again like we spent time on like some of my gripes but like we could on the other side of that coin we could sit here for like four hours and talk about one theme let alone the 20 that's in the fucking movie so it's like it's like so intense and like it's like one of the big things i love about it but um yeah i don't, I don't really have much like I like all the points that both you guys just made. Um, I couldn't agree more. And yeah, in terms of the themes, like it's just like such a big can of worms. Yeah. I'm not ready for that right now. <laughs> all right. So let's get into some of the um, other ad, like, you know, core aspects of filmmaking, so to speak. Um, I think we touched on plot a lot. Um, Too much. Yeah. So we can. <laughs> Move on from that. No apparent potholes, I would like to call out. I'm sure someone on the internet has found potholes, but I personally did not see any. Did anyone else? Potholes or plot holes? Yeah, I just said potholes. That's hilarious. <laughs> Reddit user 00 question mark 00 exclamation point pointed out to me today. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. There's literally zero plot holes in terms of just like a simple viewing, and it's just executed perfectly um, in that sense, for sure. It's like surprising. I have like a very small shit. No. So, remember in the elevator ride up, Alpha Wayman takes over, throws the umbrella in the camera, puts the earpieces on Evelyn, right? Then he goes back into the Alphaverse, and regular Wayman comes back. Wayman goes through an entire meeting with Deidre, um, and Gong Gong and Evelyn there, and, uh, Wayman's looking back at Evelyn like every two seconds and he knows she's acting weird. He's like, Evelyn, are you okay? Like, why are you acting so weird? And never notices that Evelyn's got these two random earpieces in that she didn't walk into the building with. That is some little shit. That's a good point. No, but yeah, I think, I, yeah, I mean. I'll take, actually. If, I'm, if they would have spent one more minute on that, this kid over here would be pissed. So I think I'm back to a six out of ten now. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. And the only other uh, gripe I noticed, and maybe that was just like, I, I wasn't, I hadn't fallen back in love with the movie at this point yet on the rewatch, but um, as they leave the meeting, Deirdre was very calm. She's like, you know what? You can go. Thank you for the cookies. Come back at six before I close. 
So then they go back over to the elevator. Evelyn's like still tripped out because she just had this talk with uh, Wayman and everything. Alpha Wayman, she's starting to come to terms with, holy shit, there's some stuff going on here about universes and everything. And Alpha Wayman just said, Deirdre's going to come kill you or whatever. So she looks back at Deirdre and Deirdre stands up. She has the grossest, scariest face I've ever seen on a woman. And then she's like storming over to Evelyn. Like, I'm like, holy shit, she's actually going to get like blown up by Deirdre at this point. But that's not the case. Deirdre's just coming over to return the cart that she left. Why the fuck did Deirdre stand up and look like that? That's a good why point. Was she, I why was she so that angry me. to come return the cart that Evelyn left? Because I thought no, that was the evil version. Because that's how that's how she looked, like the like the whatever version of her. And then it was just like, yeah, like it was like the twist. It's like, oh no, she's just like returning the cart or whatever. It's like, yeah, that didn't make any sense to me. I honestly don't even remember her returning the cart, but I thought that she felt sick from the cookies that they brought her. Unless um, they didn't bring her cookies then. I thought it had to do with, like, she cookies. didn't feel well. Well, she got up and, like, came over to them at the elevator. And that's when Evelyn punches her in the face. Um, and Evelyn's like, well, what the hell? Wayman, you told me that it was time to fight. I had to punch her. But then uh, the camera makes a good point of, like, panning over to the cart. And then it goes to Evelyn's face. And she's like, oh, she was returning the cart. Not coming to, you know, beat me up about a bagel. Good call. All right. Well, you found two in the first <laughs> on the one, third so viewing. <laughs> contact yeah, the Daniels for your reward. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about cinematography. And in this section, like maybe some scenes um, that you appreciated within the film. Uh, like I said before, the when like combat sequences engage or like heavy drama situations, the black bars coming down, like very slowly hinting that like some shit's about to go down chills every time. Yeah. The, I would just put it not cinematography, but just like the editing effects like that. Like I can't think of the top of my head, like other specifics other than that. But I was like, remember being blown away like throughout the entire experience that like, they just knew how to fucking execute what they were doing um, with that kind of stuff. And then, um, yeah, like cinematography was great. Nothing in terms of like specific scenes or I'm just like, oh, like that was a shot like perfectly. But I guess it just goes more to like the editing effects and like the editing aspects. It just, it's just like, damn, like, yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't have done it any better. And yeah. Huge I, dub. Like there's a, I don't know what it is called, but like that um, tactic in filmmaking, wherever, you're watching over a scene you've edited together and every time that there's a cut, they play a sound. So while like the creators are sitting around this room, if you're hearing like a boop, 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 and that's like overwhelming boops because that's how many cuts are happening. Um, then they're like, okay, shit, we, we probably cut too much here. Let's, you know, re-edit to a way that doesn't have so many cuts. I never like, cause there's a scene in taken where Liam Neeson climbs over a fence in like 16 different cuts I never once felt like there was an overwhelming amount of cuts for the amount of like action that was going on too. Like it never felt unnecessary to me. So I thought editing chef's kiss. Agreed. Yeah. That's a good call out. I wasn't familiar with that tactics, but that's interesting. Um, yeah, I thought like everyone's saying some of the best cinematography, um, some really cool, um, I don't know if this would fall under photography or cinematography, but like, particularly the scene where all the different versions of Evelyn are flashing 
in love, you know, for like 30 seconds of just like infinite number of Evelyn's. I was like, holy shit, man. Like that's just like crazy elements like that, that the movie could have done without, but like the negative impact of not putting it in there would have been minuscule, but the amount, like the positive impact of putting it in there was massive. Exponential returns. Right. Exactly. Oh, you mean the part where you were foaming at the mouth because of a seizure? <laughs> exactly. No, yeah. That um, was sick. Yeah, but I think, yeah, I agree with you what you guys said. Some of my favorite scenes um, were a lot of the common scenes, the rock scene, um, which I thought was interesting because it's just like, how much more how much more simple do we need to make this for you to understand? Like, base level, we are rocks, and we exist on a bigger rock, and that's that. Um, but it's like, you, you need to get down to that level to like truly understand what they're what they're the point they're trying to get across um another really impactful scene was the opening scene which i didn't really give much thought to until gabby said something about it um but the opening scene is focused on a mirror and wayman joy and evelyn are playing or are doing karaoke and about halfway through Evelyn puts her hand on Joy's mouth, um, obviously symbolizing like control over Joy. Um, and then it just cuts to like an empty mirror. Um, so I think like a few things unpacked there. Like I said, the, the symbolism of the control aspect and, you know, the even unconscious um, ways that Evelyn is impacting joy's ability to be herself um but also the quick cut that went from like a very warm like loving scene of the family to like nothing and it was like during the day um it was it was impactful because it's like okay here's what's going to happen if this continues you're gonna not have a family anymore and like it was very cold and like a very harsh cut um which is hard to Obviously, you don't really know, like, you don't think about that on the first viewing. I noticed it on the second viewing, but I thought that was a super powerful scene that, like, foreshadows basically the entire movie and what could go wrong if Evelyn doesn't get her shit together. Yeah, I, uh, that's a good way to put it. You definitely don't realize it while it's happening. Like, this is grabbing my attention, but that, brief, that like, super fast cut definitely is there to, like, grab your attention, like, lock you into, like, okay, wait, what's happening now? Because I was just becoming acquainted with these characters in the mirror. And now they're gone. What's about to happen? Wow. Movie making genius. <laughs> also, when, when they go in that conference room, um, I guess in the f ground floor of the IRS building, um, when Alpha Wayman and Evelyn are trying to escape, and Alpha Wayman says, here, eat this bagel. You need to fuel up. Like, just foreshadowing the bagel and, like, the impact that's going to Oh, have. you're right. There's, like, little small things in there that, like, you've been none the wiser if it didn't exist. But yeah. Cool I also noticed that um, the circles on the receipts that Deirdre's drawing, that's a bagel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe I'm drawing straws here, like building a bridge where there isn't one. No, I, no I think that was... Definitely a thing. I thought that was intentional, yeah. But, like, while we were talking about the beginning scene, sorry to, like, call back to, a, like, a, a pothole or, like, a gaff, I would call it, is, like... So what we've got going on in the beginning of the movie, Evelyn's stressed the fuck out. She's trying to cook dinner. She's trying to do these receipts for this big meeting for an IRS fucking audit. 
her father's literally dying upstairs and is going to be awake soon. They're planning this giant party for everybody. On top of that, they've got customers in the laundromat going on. So much shit going on. So stressed out. I'm stressed out for her already. And then Wayman comes in and he's like, hey, Evelyn, do you have a second to talk? Like, he's a, like, read the room, Wayman. This is not the time to ask your wife, who you clearly love, for, like, maybe we should talk about divorce. <laughs> like, you probably couldn't have picked a worse time to do that. I thought that that was intentional because you were seeing Evelyn, like, you were seeing it from Evelyn's point of view, like she's going through all this, like just dealing with a bunch of stuff at once. And then Wayman comes in and just adds another thing to that plate or wants to add another thing to her plate, which kind of sets her off a bit. So I, th- I don't, I guess we were, kind of, I thought we were meant to see that through the eyes of Evelyn and just see how like that would piss you off or like you were supposed to get pissed off by that kind of. Oh yeah, for sure. And like before we saw that it was divorce, I was definitely like, okay, look, Look, already so much shit's going on. Why is hubby coming over to, like, stir the pot even more? But then, like, seeing that it was divorce, first of all, we're like, oh, shit, he's, he wants to divorce her? What the hell? But Wayman's a sensitive guy through the entire thing. Like, he's the one that, like, builds the bridge between him and Deirdre, like, twice. Um, and, like, gives them second chances all the time. Why? But, like, dude, why on earth would you think now's a good time to say, hey, honey, maybe we can talk about divorce, especially the way she reacts whenever she finds out. She's like, this is not okay. We made a sacred promise. I think Ellen Wayman's column, in my opinion, the one L of the entire movie. I think, I mean, like kind of what Matt said, but like, I think even more so that's like the point. Cause like, I don't, I don't think it was ever said or communicated, but it's like the whole point is that like the way like their lives are, it's just like it's like the rat race, and like there's always something going on. And I feel like, again, I don't remember if this was said or not, but I was like got the vibe that like he, Wayman had been trying to like give her those papers for a while, but like there is no right. When is the right time to give somebody divorce papers? It doesn't matter if you're at home doing absolutely nothing, eating breakfast, or if you have fifty billion things going on. It's like he just like didn't know when to do it, and like there is no good time to do it, and so like. I don't know. I just like yeah, my thought no, on that, that. That's actually a really good point. Wait. Go ahead. I got nothing. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, I think like maybe I'm giving or like reaching here, but I think we all know like Wayman is like a very sweet character and maybe it's kind of playing into like he doesn't know how to handle this situation. He doesn't want to this to happen and he's like... Yeah, I can see that. He's trying to communicate, but he's not doing a good job of being like... Oh, uh, maybe emotionally aware in this case. But, yeah. um, I guess that is his whole bit is like, he's a sweet, charming guy and everything, but he is a bit of a klutz the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's a good segue into my totally favorite technical part of the movie. And that's just the casting and acting job by absolutely 120% everybody in the movie. Yeah. Namely, uh, short round. Dude. But, I watched that whole movie and he carried I, it for me, dude. He was so good. Like, I didn't think it was, he, he like had that. Cause like, I just know him as a little kid from Indiana Jones. Like I didn't think that when I saw him on screen, I was like, Oh, like he'll, he'll be a decent sporting actor. Like he'll be funny. Yeah, but like, like he literally carried like had all the emotional weight for me, like his portrayal. And then like, not just his acting chops, but also like the way that character was written. It's just like by far my favorite part of the movie I had to pick. We all like, because we all like Noah Wayman. We all know like a mm-hmm. sweetheart, like ne- can never do wrong. Right. Means no harm to anybody. Couldn't hurt a fly. Like, man, he pulls on the heartstrings. He does it he's all. funny. And I, 
Still blown away that that's fucking short round for yeah, Indiana Jones. <laughs> he's so cute. I didn't even know what you guys were talking about at first when you said short round earlier, and then he echoed it. I'm like, who the hell is short round? But, uh, yeah, I think it's like they did a good job of pulling people. I don't want to say, like, they're not, I don't, like, they're not irrelevant by any stretch of the imagination, but just people who are not common, like, common household names. And I think that that, I think that's a detriment in a lot of movies is you have an expectation for this actor and how they're going to act, and they prevented, you know, they avoided any happenings there by taking people that might be lesser known to a general audience. Cannot name a single cast member besides uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, who, by the way, did not know that was Jamie Lee Curtis until after the movie. Yeah, I would, you probably wouldn't. Like, her makeup was so good. Mm-hmm. She looks nothing like any, nothing like Freaky Friday. Granted, that was 20, 20 years ago, but... <laughs> Um, dude, like the costuming disguised who she was perfectly. Uh, if I, if I could like dream up like tax lady, IRS officer, they hit it on the head. Like they had this like old lady outfit. She had cat pictures on her desk. She was wearing a fucking arm brace because she's an, like an IRS <laughs> officer who spends all day typing <laughs> on the number pad. Carpal tunnel. That was, that was beautiful. Um, I know originally someone posted somewhere that they were going to cast Aquafina, like the uh, K-pop rapper or someone like that to play Joy. And I'm super glad they didn't. I don't know anything about Aquafina or the actress that played Joy, but I'm so glad Joy was who she was. She looks much more like a Joy than Aquafina does. Yeah, I think Aquafina is a great actress, but I, I agree. I think the casting was good and the acting, like we're saying, is was great all the way across the board. I don't think there anyone fell short. Um, but yeah, the leads were did did just what they needed to. I'll say like the um, the no name characters like uh, Big Nose Laundromat Patron. Um, she was good. Like she played the good. Like I'm a busy woman here with my Pomeranian oh, dog. Yeah. Like, usually the world's handed to me. She was still, like, respectful in the movie and everything. My other thing is, like, this is kind of getting on of a tangent, but I just thought of it. Evelyn's playing the party and everything, and she wants to invite Big Nose. I guess she wants, you know, people to show up and everything. But I was like, is that really how people throw parties? Like, you have patron you know by Big Nose and you want her to come to your party? And Big Nose Lady showed up to the party. I would not put that by Big Nose Lady who's talking on her Bluetooth earpiece, clearly annoyed to have to be there in the first place to come to the party. Out of everything in the movie, like crazy stretch of the imaginations like like literally the movie's just out there like in so many ways but the most outlandish thing even more than there being an infinite in the number of alternate universes is the fact that she went to that party she had so many dudes to go blow that night and she just least least probable it doesn't make any sense whatsoever that that was the the only unlikely portion of yeah right i wonder if that was a cultural thing though i don't know anything about chinese new year but um, Fuck, they're, they're chinese duh i've been calling them korean the whole time no, you haven't. Yeah, you, said, you said they were Chinese at one point. You said the movie didn't Raid was Korean, and I yeah. looked that up, and that's Indonesian, so you should go fuck yourself. <gasps> but, um, He's canceled. No, I think... I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like Some of that shit like, I don't really care about. Like Who cares if the girl... Oh, well, yeah, it's just funny. No, but yeah, I don't know. I wonder if it's cultural. if it's a cultural thing that like invite people like that to parties or like Chinese New Year or whatever, but yeah, it was an interesting... Um, interesting take. All right. Should we get into the writing? One more gripe about the Chinese new year thing. And like some of the supporting characters, you know, like the redneck guy who's like, 
Evelyn, my wife, used to wear that same perfume. Did anybody, like, feel, like, kind of off-put like that guy? Like, he was definitely coming across as, like, rapey for a second, right? When he was like, Evelyn, my wife used to wear that same perfume. I think that's the point, isn't it? Right. Well, then he goes, well, then Evelyn's like, are you coming to the Chinese New Year party? And he's like, yep, got my ticket right here. And she's like, cool. And then in another scene, um, he's like, yeah, okay, he's, like, kind of racist, right? Or, like, not racist, but uh, definitely creepy racist. He's dancing with Wayman, so. True. But then, like, his whole thing was, like. Evelyn, the machine ate my 20 again. So Wayman comes out, Evelyn gives him a $10 bill and he's like, I thought you people were good with numbers. So like, we're clearly supposed to think this guy's like racist or like rapey, creepy, like a bad dude, right? Why? Because he wasn't. Nothing further came from that. Yeah, but I think it's just like, I mean, it's just, I don't know if this deserves analyzing. I think it's just like, <laughs> I, think I was it's thinking just the same like, thing. there's people in this world that are like that type of way and that's just who they are. And like, we've kind of accepted that to some degree and like. They don't hate each other on a personal level, but he's racist and whatever. There was no points to be drawn from that, really. Like, in terms of the movie. Okay. Like, it was just like he was there. He was just a side character. That was it. I'm down to 7 out of 10 because of that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Um, writing. I thought, like Zach, he said, like, very well written um, for the characters. I think they did a, a very good job of explaining the technical aspects of the movie um, quickly and efficiently. I think had they not done the job that they did or written it the way that they did, it could have become confusing and you could have lost a lot of people. Cause it's not, it's not, uh, it's not necessarily an easy thing to understand. Um, especially if you have no idea like what a multiverse is or like, I think there's a wider audience for this film than maybe there would be your average sci-fi movie. Um, so I think they did a good job of recognizing that their audience might be wider in accounting for that. Um, I also think it did a good job at, invoking emotion um and switching between like heavy action and sci-fi themes to like the emotional themes without it feeling like there was a hard wall there that you were hitting like it was very it was graceful in its transition um which i thought could have been that could have been like mishandled um but it wasn't costume design insane all of joe butapaki's like how she can just like flick her head and like be in another universe be in another joy at that time Mm. and like even every time we were seeing her she was constantly like changing outfits and like all the outfits are like off the wall glam like way over the top with all their cool like aspects there was one of them towards the end where her bangs like she had a string of hair that spelled jobu brilliant that was so sick costume design was awesome for her especially like and Waymond outfit perfect like dorky dad who doesn't know anything about much but you know he was wearing the classic new balances the khakis the sweater wearing a fanny pack and all that no that's a good point like just beautiful because because if you think about it like costume design a movie like this where you're the same character going into a billion different um set pieces and it's like costume design is the only way like your first visual distinction to first visual distinction two distinct you know like different characters and so like yeah like i didn't even think about how big of a deal that must have been and a big of a like an undertaking like for them to pull off because like that's crazy i didn't like, think about like that. even subconsciously like i noticed waymond whenever alpha waymond got turned on in the beginning of the movie he was always taking off his glasses because that waymond doesn't have astigmatism mm-hmm. like that's how it's like kind of like a visual cue yeah. okay this is not evelyn's husband this is somebody else 
Yeah, I think going, I mean, this is making me think, like, back to the acting, not to backtrack, but just, like, one point. Like, these actors effectively had to play, you know, umpteen versions of themselves and umpteen version different characters. And, like, while a lot of those characters maybe didn't get much screen time, um, it's still, it's, like, interesting. And they did a good job of setting each of those apart and compartmentalizing each of those characters and doing each... Uh, doing each uh, the service that it deserved, I guess. Yeah, Joy's girlfriend, Becky, definitely got like the lowest paycheck because she was just one person the entire time. Yeah. Uh, sequel with Alpha Becky. Zach, any takes on writing that you haven't already touched on? Not really that I haven't already touched on or what you touched on. Um I really like how they did flashbacks. I know it's no like different from um, how a lot of people do it like really well, but you know, they didn't put like any stupid filters on it. Like they did a lot of that um, switching between like normal pacing and then like a fast forwarded version to like get to the next part of the flashback and everything like that. Um, I don't know. Just, just cute little stuff that I appreciated. Yeah. I thought another um, thing that, they did well was um or that i appreciated is they had like verbal cues or like lines written written where people were explaining some of the themes at a high level um which but they didn't go like they still left room for um you to kind of think about it on a deeper level and for like room for interpretation i think I don't know. I hate, I hate when I go into a movie and they're trying to be so obscure and like leave it up to interpretation so much that like nothing's explained. Like, tell me somewhat what I'm supposed to think, right? Like, what's the goal? Or like, you hear these interviews with directors afterwards. It's like, well, it's just up to whatever the viewer thinks happened at the end or like how the viewer interpreted it. Well, what was your vision for the movie as a director? And that was like, had the whole direction of the movie, you know, or, or, um, was playing the direction of the movie. So I'm glad that they, made that apparent, um, but also left you with enough to sit with on your own and think about, I guess. I feel like it's such a cop out whenever directors are like, uh, the, the, the goal was to challenge the viewer to think about X, Y, or Z, like shut up, like actually like tell us what it was for, unless you actually had no vision and you were just wasting money. But I can be mad about that another time. Like for the Joker, I was thinking that when he was, I was first movie I thought of, yeah, like the Joker, like. Maybe it's because I have not watched it a single time, and I. But I was definitely like looking up YouTube videos and like Reddit threads and shit about like you know what was the theme here, like what was uh, the goal, or like how are we supposed to feel on this portion of the movie or the next, and then what are we supposed to think about this? I didn't look up a single video or you know Reddit thread about this movie at all. Like maybe the rewatches did it for me again, but I don't know. I feel like I've just got a great understanding and I've got everything I possibly could want to from it. Right. Well, yeah, I thought I'm also, I think I don't have a lot of respect for Todd Phillips. I think that whole movie is overrated, but. Is that the guy that directed yeah. Joker? It's just like, it's like the simplest movie ever made. And he acts like it's like some philosophical like thing where it's like Chris, a Christopher Nolan movie. It's like, no, it's kind of dumb. But anyways, yeah, I totally agree. Like going like to that, like, yeah, 2005, like these open-ended things, like open interpretation is cool and all. It's like, it gets old after a while. Like now in 2022 it's like you know like have a fucking vision <laughs> prove it yeah right prove you're not blowing smoke 
But like if you're Christopher Nolan, you make Tenet, which doesn't make a lick of sense until your 11th viewing. It's like, at least he has a track record. Right, yeah, and it's like this movie, there's always more to unpack in any movie, but this, you're able to do enough of that by yourself without having to go look something up on the internet, which yeah, is a whole separate conversation, like, on people's so many movies, that, like, like, type of filmmaking, but, all right. Alrighty. Um, I'll challenge you, Matt, here. You said at the beginning of um, the recording that this is probably not something you're going to rewatch over and over, like, maybe, like, a, t- a twice-watch movie. Um I'm not losing any value on the rewatches. I like, I don't know, it's just reinforcing a lot and you're going to pick up on more things than you probably realize on the rewatches that it's going to probably going to be like a, you know what we could do today? We could rewatch everything everywhere. Like it's going to be a classic. I feel like, yeah, I, yeah. Like, sorry, no, just kind of to that point. It's like, I feel like it's probably doesn't get the exposure or praise that like something like avatar did just cause, uh, avatar is like so groundbreaking, like CGI and, graphically beautiful and everything like that that it appealed to much more people than something like this was because i don't know this is kind of like up the alley that parasite was where it's like does everything so beautiful and everything but it's probably not going to appeal to like the uh busy mom of two who's like taking kids to soccer practice and everything who's like probably get going to the movie theater if she's going to the movie theater it's probably to you know watch whatever fucking kids watch these days at movies angry birds three <laughs> No, yeah, I think that's a good point. I think it's like, so back to, I guess, like, going back to the beginning of that, in terms of rewatchability, um, I think it's like a once a year, once every couple years watch, um, which is how it is usually with my favorite movies, because it's like, always, you know, you get so much of something that it's like not valuable anymore. Like, I am a huge, um, uh, um, Oh boy. Like I always am the type to like listen to a song over and over and over again and now I'm just like literally fuck this song. So I feel like I generally try and avoid watching my favorite movies over again. Um or at least spread the interval out so far that it's you know, I'm getting as close to like a fresh set of eyes as I can. Um but yeah, I definitely think it's gonna be a classic. I think um it's only going to get so big because of the reasons you said, uh, but also because it's an indie studio or like an indie distributor in A24. Um, and a lot of people don't know what the movie is. I feel like I didn't even, I saw the trailer for it and I'm like, Oh, this looks like kind of cool. And I was honestly more interested in whatever other movie A24 was coming out with around the same time. Maybe it was men, maybe it was something else. I can't remember, but I went into that movie completely blind and they do a good job of hiding it, like in the, the the plot synopsis or like the main description of the movie that is like the actual, like. It's like how it's marketed. Right, how it's marketed is like oh, a movie about a woman who's like who can't who seem to get her taxes done. Yeah. And like that's it. Yeah. So it's like it's like a hidden gem almost to people who don't know about it. It's obviously becoming way more popular now, but um, yeah, it's a good point. Um, it's also A24's most successful movie so far yeah first ever over 100 million by a wide margin right i'm not sure about the margin but i wouldn't be surprised i think also like it doesn't have like a lot of exterior draw like it doesn't have those big name actors it doesn't have you know who's who's like the biggest action star right now keanu probably keanu probably yeah it doesn't have any uh household names i'd say yeah it's just like parasite in that sense it's like 
And that's why, I mean, that's why those indie studios like A24 succeeds because it's like, it's not based on marketing. It's like Avatar. Like you could have a half-assed movie with like the best, the biggest effects, the best uh, CGI, blah, 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 blah. Like your, your numbers, you're earning them through word of mouth and critical response, which is like, yeah. way more important than, you know, if you're marketing 20 trailers a day on the local cable TV. Yeah, yeah. It's not by a big studio. It doesn't have a big, like, big name director. It's not, yeah. It has to earn its shit exactly, way harder than yeah. something like Avatar or, you know, a lot of other stuff did. Yeah. Um, Although, that's not shit on Avatar. I'm a huge Avatar fan. Yeah, I like that movie too. <laughs> but it is Pocahontas. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but it's sick. Budget for this movie was $25 million. I mean, it's they nothing. probably spent twenty five million marketing in Avatar, or like some of these big movies. Oh my god, what's more than that? What kind of money? I wonder what the budget for something like um, I don't know. What's like a good comparison? Like, what movie doesn't use a whole lot of like CGI? Uh, doesn't like rely on like explosions and like a modern day horror movie. Halloween twenty eighteen's nope. budget was like fifteen. Oh, yeah, Nope is probably Nope good. Is, was sixty eight million. That film had a ton of marketing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see much marketing for everything I brought once. Do you guys? No, I didn't see a lick of it. So, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, they did a lot with a little, um, you know, little relatively. Um, but, yeah, I think that's I, that's kind of the appeal to me, too. I, I think it's the appeal to a lot of people nowadays. It's like, oh, I want to I wanna like something that's not cool. Or, like, I want to like something that people don't know about. Oh, yeah, it's huge. cool or whatever. Um, but that's I think, my entire personality. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it's just cool that, like, this smaller community of, people who like movies um this is like their little thing to some degree i think but um if you know you know type type yeah, shit. yeah yeah all right um anything else you guys wanted to touch on you want to hop into ratings final ratings again or i think i'm ready for closing memoirs and prayers we should have um, one hour closing things. <laughs> something that I Googled that I, I thought was worth bringing up, and we can get right into the ratings, is that, you know how Wayman has that line of like, your clothes never wear the same the next day. Your I'm so glad you brought this up. Yeah. yeah, so he's he's quoting absolutely Story of a Girl by Nine Days. Um, and I was like, I was like, is there more to that quote? Like, does he keep going on with like different songs and like keep referencing stuff? So I looked it up and Daniel Kwan, one of the writers or directors, uh, actually told somebody that, it wasn't on purpose. Like he was just in the flow state typing out the script for what Wayman was saying. And the point Wayman was trying to get across, he couldn't think of any other better words than something he just heard in the back of his mind. Like he was just writing. He was like, you know, something's off. We feel Joe Putapaki's building something. We can feel it across different universes. Your clothes never wear the same next day. Your hair never falls in quite the same way. And at the time he was like, I know I've heard this before somewhere, but I can't think of anything better. So I'm just going to leave it in. And then eventually he realized, oh shit, this is literally an angsty pop song from the nineties or whatever. That is so good. And he just left it in because they couldn't think of anything better. And then eventually like came a joke amongst like the crew and everything. And they're like, <laughs> shit, well maybe this can just be like be part of the movie and like part of the joke and everything. And I'm so glad it did. Cause that was super funny. Um, in other parts of the movie, like, like scenes where there's like background music, they're playing that song, like um, in the RV when Evelyn and Wayman are like talking about mm -hmm. like their divorce a little bit more, that song's playing whenever the sex dungeon guy leaves the, uh, the sex dungeon with that girl. And he tells Evelyn, Hey, clean up that song's playing. But instead of uh, saying when she smiles, they say 
the safe word smile. I just thought it was like, <laughs> like that's something I'm never going to notice unless I watch it a third time. Right. But it's super cute. That's hilarious. Yeah. The first, every time that they played that song, we were in the theater. I was like, holy shit, this movie is the goat. <laughs> Great song. That's, I didn't know the backstory and that's hilarious. That's just like another thing. It's just like, this is so stupid. Like why bother? But it's just, you know, like that, that's originality. It's icing, on the, it's icing on the cake and that's what, that's what separates things like that. Separate good movies from great movies. Yeah. That's the originality that like, you don't see in any other movies, like funny quips like that joke set. I don't know. I haven't seen it anywhere else, but this is also recency bias for sure. Right. Final ratings. I'm going to say, <laughs> Uh, still a nine for me, but you're not going to get, I'm probably not going to rate a movie higher than that in the foreseeable future. Yeah. First in background for the listeners or future listeners or never listeners. Hate you never. Is the, is the, I don't want to say the harshest critic, critic, but he very rarely rates anything like a five or a four. Is it always like two and a half, three, like, but he's hard to impress. So a nine is like a 12 out of 10 for me, basically. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely on different scales. Yeah. You're not getting much better than a nine out of me, ever, unless you're Ryan Goss. Facts. Barbie, the first ever 10 on Dennis's book. Unless it's that train movie. That's it. Bullet Train. Bullet Train. Review, TBD. We have to review Bullet Train. Just yeah, okay, Bullet Train is on the dock. All right, Zach. Started at an what you started at a nine, Dennis stuck with a nine. You started with a eight point seven. Eight point seven. Um, the rethinking about the movie, hearing some of you guys' points. I'd say it's, I say it's a nine. Bro, it, it's blowing my pants off that you're saying that, but you had so much, like the emotion you had with your gripes. I was like, oh man, it's going. Score is dropping by the minute here. No, I just like, I mean, I just go on a tangent natu- uh, naturally, but it's like, I didn't really say that much about gripes. It's when we all started conversating about the gripes and it's like the gripes are getting played out for 30 minutes and it makes it seem like a bigger deal than it really was. Like if like, am I even in my notes and like my structure? It's like, yeah, like having a few gripes, I can sit here and talk about it. But it's because you guys have such a hard on for the movie. It's like we had to go way too deep into those gripes to, for you guys to understand. And then it got blown out of proportion. But no, like my gripes are just like. Average gripes, I'd say, and they're not even that big of a deal. No, yeah, I think they were fair. It's just like more and like it, the gripes are like less. It's more just like again the entertainment factor for me. It's like great movie, did exactly what it set out to do. Um, appreciate the hell out of it. I obviously glad I watched it. Like I loved it and it had such a huge impact on me. Um, but it doesn't make it just like an overall like perfect movie or something I would put above a nine. But it deserves its nine rating for sure, and I'm content with that. Where does it does it sit in? And I'll pose this question back to all of you. Um, actually, I'll answer my I'll answer my <laughs> rating, and we'll come back to this for the sake of continuity. Um, <gasps> what was my rating that I gave it originally? I don't even remember. Nine point nine point five plus at least. I want to say nine point five or six. I don't remember now. Yeah, I don't remember what I was at either. Um, I think it's a nine point five. I think. <laughs> I don't know. It probably stays right around where it was. Um, if I said 9.5, I'd give it like a 9.6 maybe. I think slight edge um, because of what Dennis, you touched on about like the speed in the beginning. Um, but yeah, 
it sits in in my top three, I think. And that's what the question I was going to ask. Does it sit in you guys' top movies, whether that be top ten, whatever you want to... Yeah, top it's, of de- it's definitely up there for me. It's not going to be a movie that I recommend to everybody, just because I know like not a lot of people are going to get out of it what three white dudes like us got out of it, but... Um, like I'm not going to recommend this to my parents. They're not going to give a shit. They're not going to know what's going on. Um, they're more. They're better suited for Bullet Train and things like that. But um, sorry, Brad. No, this this is definitely like Hall of Fame in my opinion. Interesting. I mean, I'm a De- Denny's personal Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I could totally see why this would be somebody's number one movie of all time. Like, I wouldn't argue against that or even have anything to say. But for me personally, like, no, I wouldn't put it anywhere close in like a top fifteen or twenty. That's reserved for every iteration of the Halloween movie. I would never put a Halloween movie anywhere near that list. For the <laughs> listeners out there, I'm All not right, that crazy. God, have a... Yeah, and just for context, like what is what are some of your other top movies, Matt? Yeah, you said top. Like, let's get this straight. He, he said top three. That's insane. Yeah, that is, it's top. So three. if you're that specific, then you got to go ahead and tell us. All right. So, in no particular order, because this it's once you put a movie in your top, yeah, it's, it's hard, hard to dethrone because you can never think about it or compare it. Like, unless you're watching them all back-to-back for the first time, you will never be able to... All the top movies? Like, I'm just saying, okay, so like... Okay, my number one for the longest time has been Interstellar. When did that movie come out? 2017. 14. I mean, 14. 2014. So, how old were we in 2014? That was eight years ago. I'm 25. I was 17 at that time. I don't say that 17-year-old me appreciated more than 25-year-old me would, but it's hard to compare movies that have come out over a long period of time that you've seen as a different person each time, so to speak, different version of yourself. Agreed. Um, so, like, once, basically all that to say, once you put a movie in your top, it's very hard to dethrone because you're never going to be able to compare those two things for the first time back-to-back, like, you, sh- you know, should be able to do to rank movies. So, all that to say, my top three are Interstellar, Arrival, and... Everything everywhere. Oh my god, that's crazy! I love, I love the top two. I just can't believe it is right there, like sniffing those two. I, I would think there would be like at least some sort of gap between. But what fills that gap? I don't. I'm. I haven't left a movie being like, holy shit! Like, I mean, you sit since arrival, probably. You sit here and you and, and like I said, like, what's wrong with it? And we sat here and we talked for thirty minutes about this little bullshit at the beginning. That maybe mattered to some people, maybe mattered to different people, like other, uh, didn't matter to other people. Um, Nothing's wrong with it. So that's and that's the problem I have. Is like it did for it did for me what I love movies to do. It g- gave me a great sci-fi element. It gave me a, a it gave me the emotional pull that I didn't even know like it was going to. Um, amazing visuals, great at like literally everything. But you already hit it on the head. You, I mean, that's what won it for you is, you, like you said, is you can't remember the last time you ended up finishing a movie and it was just like the way it hit you. Like, it doesn't matter if there's little nitpicks. It's like, I can nitpick the fuck out of Interstellar. So could anybody. Like, I could sit here and talk about all the nights of Interstellar. You'd think I hate the movie. It's my favorite movie of all time. It has its issues. But the way it fucking hit me and the way that, like, Arrival hit me is just, like, insane. Even the way Tenet, like, hit me. Like, I could nitpick that movie for years. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's all about like how that impact and like how you enjoyed it. And that's where this movie, I could, I can see her and say like, yeah, like my nitpicks are dumb as fuck. Like it, it's perfect in its own right, what it tried to do, but it didn't really, it didn't hit me that way. It hit you. So like yeah, that's, and that's totally fair. I think, 
I think, um, you know, how, how it ranks in your personal list is all about, honestly, yeah, probably emotional impact because that's the thing that, like, from a, from a science perspective is, is like, the mm-hmm. biggest deal to human beings is like, oh, like it made me feel some type of way. That's technically why we go see movies. Yeah. Huh? That's what really subconsciously why we go and see oh, movies. Oh, right. We want, yeah. yeah. We want to feel something. Yeah. Yeah. So for context, like Matt's favorite movies are like sci-fi based, hard hitting, emotional, make you think type of pieces, make you feel type of pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I'd say I'm the same. Context for Zach's f- favorite movies of all time. What's your, what's your top three? Interstellar Arrival, we have the same exact same okay. one and two, and then after that, I would have to think for a long ass time. And then, but like going back to what he was saying, sorry, um, when you were talking about how like movies, just like over time, it's like obviously like so like when when I think of my top movies, it's the three are hilarious that first come to mind: Interstellar Arrival and then The Social Network. Because for some reason, I'm just like have the biggest hard on for that movie and always will. And like maybe I'll watch that right now and don't enjoy it as much as I did on the first like thirty viewings. Like, that's just a movie that'll always just be, like, I don't know, like, that hit me in a different way. I just loved everything about it, the aesthetic, like, that's a but, like, I can't movie. change that now. Like, even though, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, I could never, I would feel ashamed if I ever took that out of my top ten. Even if I could sit here and dissect and think about nine other movies that, like, hit me emotionally harder, like, over time. It's just, like, no, like, that's going to stay there forever. Yeah. So, like... Yeah, it's just like different. Yeah, obviously, shit will like fluctuate as like years and years go on and stuff. Right. But, like, so yours are like also emotional pieces, like sci-fi elements, maybe mm-hmm. good storytelling, things like that. Yeah. That's what I think of with like social network. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and I want to hear yours, Dennis. But before I lose the thought, um, I think like the fact that like you don't have to have a top movie for each slot. I think, like, when that movie comes along, it'll just fit there. You just know when it belongs. Like, if you're searching for a third, then, like, you don't have one. Agree, yeah. That's a good and point. And, like, you know, maybe Social Network is for that, and you, is, is that for you, and maybe it's just like, oh, well, it's so old, like, is it really? Um, or And it doesn't kind of necessarily fit with the others, so to speak, but um, I think I'm probably going to start straying away from saying, like, my top three movies and just start thinking of them as, like, a conglomeration of my favorite movies of all time because... The time element is huge. Um, watching a movie at 17 and watching a movie at 25 and watching a movie at 35 are all going to be completely different experiences and I'm going to need more or different things out of the movie for it to land in that top list. So dethroning things probably isn't doesn't make sense. Yeah, it literally doesn't it make did sense what you needed. It did what you needed it to do for you at that moment for you to claim that it was one of your favorite movies of all time. And I think that's how it should be. There should be zero reason to rank something unless just for fun. Like, it'd be fun for me to sit down and really dissect what my top 10 is. But like, like you, I, don't, I literally don't have a top 10. I know my, my favorite two movies ever, Interstellar and Arrival. And then after that, like, I just, it doesn't matter. But like, if I was like, just like with you, though, you watch this movie and you knew immediately after viewing, like, no, it belongs up there. And like, that's like all that matters. Yeah. All right. Doom Denny. Give us some, paint us some. Color around your what top. was even the question? Was it even like your top three movies or like your favorite movies? Well, give us your give us. That's what comes to mind. Whatever, you, whatever question you want to answer. Some of your top movies, um, like to provide context, kind of around like the style of movie you like. Mm-hmm. I guess like if anybody asked me my favorite movie, longest time my answer was Terminator Two. I think that's probably never going to leave. If I if anybody asked me top three or just like favorite in the moment, Terminator Two is going to be up there. Um, probably like the Iron Giant. For context, I have like the Iron Giant tattooed on my arm. 
Um, there's all. I think Interstellar would come to mind too. Um, so hey, maybe we'll watch Interstellar one day, boys. Talk about it a little bit. Yeah, um, that'd be a fun one. And then there's probably like a rotating slot, but I don't know. This movie is certainly up there in like one of the movies I enjoyed the most and got the most out of experience wise. So maybe that's maybe that's in that answer. So since yours is less um, apparent. What, if anything, do those have in common? Or I guess, like, wh- why why do they make your top list? What's the what's the criteria for you? Because they're obviously very different movies or types of movies. So I definitely like science fiction aspects. Terminator's got that in, like, time travel and, like, I don't know, suspense, tension. Interstellar's got that heavily, too, just like Terminator. Um, the Iron Giant is probably nostalgia bomb at most at this point, or, like, <laughs> most heavily at this point probably watch that movie every day as a kid. Um, but the, the themes at the end of the day probably are going to do a lot for me too. Like we can talk about this if we ever watch the other movies too, but like interstellar, like, you know, I haven't watched that in a long time, but like love transcending all other dimensions, kind of stuff like that. Um, the iron giant, you are who you choose to be terminator. Holy lots of other stuff, but like, I don't know, probably like heavy th- themes stuff. I don't know. I'm a niche guy. Like you really got to hit the nail on the head or else you're just going to miss wildly, I guess with me. And those movies just seem to do that, I guess. Yeah. I'm glad interstellar is in our top. I have love transcends time and space inscribed in the inside of my wedding ring. And my wife ran, walked down the aisle to the interstellar theme. So a day doesn't go by where I don't wear it. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's wrap it. All right. Episode one of the Unnamed Podcast.